This is FBG Jen. And FBG Kristen. And I'm FBG Margot, host and producer. You're listening to the podcast that will help you keep a lid on the junk in the trunk and inspire you to live a happy and confident life. Each episode, we chat with motivational experts and celebs and share our own candid adventures in being healthy. If you're looking for a podcast that's equal parts hilarious and enlightening, well then welcome to the Fit Bottom Girls podcast. Welcome back to the Fit Bottom Girls podcast. This is FBG Margot, and on the line today we have FBG Jen. Hello. And we have FBG Kristen. Hey. And today we are speaking with an expert, Erica Zeal. She is the core expert. And if you guys are into core training, fascial training, you want to work on that, this is the show for you. Jen, you and I were on this call today with Erica. And what did you think of this interview? You know what? I really enjoyed it. Um, she has been someone who has actually, we've talked to her throughout kind of Fit Bottom Girl's history here um, about pregnancy workouts and postpartum stuff. And she is definitely an expert on all of that and written some great stuff from, for, for us on that. And we'll include that in the show notes, um, a few posts on postpartum stuff and core training. But we really get into, um, we do talk about this in this interview, but we also get into a lot of, like you mentioned, the fascial training. And that is a piece, whether you are a mom or not, that is, uh, it's not a, a new concept. It's not a new idea, but it is something that is, kind of like booming and I feel like really increasing in popularity and people are really seeing some really cool, you know, benefits from working your fascia. And she talks a little bit about what fascia is. So when you talk about um, fascial training and it's this, this cool connective tissue that runs all throughout your body, envelops your organs, it gives you form, it gives you structure. And instead of thinking about like, oh, I'm going to work out my bicep, or I'm going to work out like, you know, my quad. Instead, you're thinking about working everything as a huge chain that's all connected. So when you do things like with a foam roller or a massage ball, that's working your, um, that's working your fascia. And it's, you know, not, like I said, it's not a new concept, but it is something that people are beginning to understand more and more than when it, when it comes to reducing the risk of injury or um, helping to rehab after an injury. Um, it's really important for that and making sure areas aren't, you know, too tight or even too loose, that they're all kind of working as one cohesive unit and moving your body. And then also, apparently fascia is also really, really great to train to make sure that you are explosive, um, that you can do like, you know, a high knee or tuck jump or, you know, sprint fast. There's a lot of power in your fascia as well. So she gets into um, a lot of like pieces of that and the importance of that. And I think it's just a really, a really cool it's a really cool thing to learn about um, instead of just, you know, really focusing on, okay, I'm going to work on my, um, you know, my cardio or I'm going to work on my strength. This is kind of the missing, you know, piece that kind of pulls all that together to make sure that your body is really functioning well and performing as, as a whole. So it's a little geeky in parts, but in a very, she breaks it down in a very like easy to understand usable way. And I think after this interview, you can come away with lots of different um, ways to, to work your fascia and get stronger and feel better and not get injured. 
Well, I was going to ask Kristen, because I think of the three of us, you're the biggest jock right now. You're out there running your races and stuff like that. I mean, do you do any kind of core training or fascial training or do you do any of that for your injury prevention or pre or post race things? Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm big on the foam roller just in general, and I've got, you know, specific areas that I know that I need to hit regularly. Um, and I am not as good about it as I should be. So last year when I was training for, for a race and toward the end, when I was logging the bigger miles, um, my knee started really bothering me and I have, like, I know I have arthritis, I have, you know, some issues in there, but Basically, I was like, well, I can't have this right now. I've got three weeks until my big race. Right. And so when I, I, I popped in to see my physical therapist and I'm like, hey, what, what do I need to do to get through the next month or so? And he, he was like, you know, you need what I use is a thing called the stick. But I mean, you could use pretty much anything that just digs in. And pretty much it was like massage of the fascia around like all around my my knee and like the areas where it hurts, because that's where it was um I mean, and I may be getting terminology wrong here because I'm not a professional, but I, like, I know I tend to have a lot of adhesions and things get really tight and then it doesn't want to move. So then when I move it more, obviously it hurts and causes more inflammation because it's angry. So yeah, I am, I'm a really big fan. And, um, when I've got the time and budget for it, I really like to do sports massages where they work on getting some of that out in the areas that <laughs> I mean, I'm like raise your hand if you tend to avoid rolling out areas that hurt because they hurt, <laughs> even though you know that this is the areas that you want to roll out. Waving over um, here. You need it. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. So like my calves and stuff, I just, I, it's, ugh. I just, I don't want to, you know. <laughs> um, it's such yeah. incredible though. Like once you get off the foam roller, how much better you feel? So that's- we should all commit to foam roll after this. <laughs> we should. There's there's more than foam roll talk here, though, and also we talk about pre- and post-pregnancy with your core, and you're going to really love this. She is an expert. She has a YouTube channel. We're going to give all of her call-outs within the show, and I think you guys are going to really enjoy this, and if you enjoy us, feel free to leave us a review in iTunes. If you leave us a five-star review, we'll read it on the air. If you would like some stickers, send us an email, podcast at fitbottomgirls.com. We'll be happy to send those out to you. On social media, we're at fitbottomgirls. That's for Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube. We are everywhere, everywhere. And I say, guys, let's get into our interview today with Erica Zeal, the core expert. Erica Zeal helps women to feel empowered and improve their quality of life through movement and wellness. You could find her at ericazeal.com, and she is a core expert, specifically helping women before, during, and after their pregnancy journey. But she's here today to talk to all women about their core. In today's discussion, we talk about rotational movements, nutrition, how to truly engage your pelvic floor, how to breathe properly, really the use of visualization to help strengthen and quicken your body, and the gut-brain connection. Welcome to the show, Erica. Thank you for having me. I'm so super excited to chat with you ladies today. We're very excited to have you on the show. This is FBG Margot, and on the line today we have FBG Jen. Hello. And we have FBG Kristen. 
Hola. And we're just going to get started, Erica. So welcome to the show. And, and, and you just launched a core rehab program. So can you please talk about why core health is more important than just doing crunches, why it involves more than that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, our core, if we really, you know, actually stop to think about it, it really is more than just those six pack muscles, which most people are doing oodles of crunches every day for. Um, It actually involves um, from the base of our pelvis, which includes our pelvic floor, um, all the way through our torso up underneath our shoulders. So it's a good chunk of our body, really. And so when we start thinking about So many of the issues that women in particular suffer from, pelvic floor dysfunction, back pain, neck pain, diastasis recti, um, just, you know, any sorts of aches and pains of the body, a lot of it stems from core function. And that's where I just really have fallen in love with it over the years and realized, um, actually, when I had moved back to the Midwest and started getting a bunch of new clients and I'd have other trainers, you know, referring their their female clients to me because they were like, Erica, you seem to have this magic touch with getting women's cores to work. And so it like kind of had, I had all these aha moments where I was like, women were struggling with issues that I was like, I can help you fix that where like a doctor may have told them, Oh, you have to have surgery to fix that. Or there's nothing you can do about it. And I'm like, no, absolutely not. So to me, I'm like, this stuff's like a no brainer because this is what I've done for, you know, led up to all of this over my 15 years being in the fitness movement, Pilates and just wellness category. Yeah. So is it your work there? Do you have specialized, I guess, certifications or is it you know, just kind of like, oh, no, I've been doing this like hands on for 15 plus years. And this is what I found. Yeah, all the above. So yeah, I actually I I always love working with people one on one, I still do work one on one. Um, I have less clients now than I have just because I have I'm running so many other things within my business. Um, But I've you know, I went through college, my background is in exercise science, and then, you know, got my personal training certification when I was like 19 or 20, somewhere in there. Um, and then when I moved to California, I actually really fell in love with Pilates and studied through John Gary there in Long Beach and just did every every class of training of anything in Pilates that I could. Um, and then that really then led me down the road to doing more with fascial training, um, just doing a lot of reading. I'm, I'm one, I'm like a lifelong learner where I'm always like, okay, I know this, but I'm like, wait, now I have all these other questions. So then I'm always like searching for more and more answers. And so it's this combination of my curiosity really drives me to learn. But yet I also have a lot of these, again, aha moments where I'll be working with a client. And I'm like, oh, something from who knows when I read or I, and I kind of put pieces together. I kind of think of myself as I'm bridging that gap from like therapeutic, like almost like physical therapy and fitness into a like more, it's not even like functional movement is part of it, but it's, it's even different than that because it's really helping my clients and students to understand what they're doing. So it's a lot of education in that aspect um, to really apply specific cueing and breath work to their movement. You mentioned a term that I've heard a bit, but I'm betting that a lot of our listeners might not be familiar with, and that's fascial training. So I wondered if you could talk a little bit more about that specifically. Yes. So fascia is 
Something that I absolutely love, um, and a really quick story if I could share this. So a handful of years ago, I was flying back out to Southern California and my girlfriend had picked me up from the airport and I was like, oh my gosh, I was so excited. I had no kids with me flying, which rarely happens. And I was able to read through an entire book, which again, it seems really rare with three kids at a business, right? Like I have all these things I'm doing and now barely have that time to really focus and finish a book in its entirety in one day. And she joked to me, she's like, oh, I bet it was a book called or about fascia. And I was like, actually, it's called fascia. And like, we had this good laugh because like, I geek out on this stuff. So fascia is really, we have one fascia in the body. And I think that's such a good message for people to understand is how, because of fascia, one fascia in our body, everything is is connected and intertwined. So a good example could be, oh my gosh, my, my low back hurts me all the time. And, you know, but I keep doing all this stuff for my back and it just doesn't seem to help. Well, it's because the back is actually a response to say the pelvic floor and lower abdomen, um, not connecting correctly, which is in the opposite part of the body. Or maybe it's because, you know, you sit too much and you're rounded forward in your upper body and you know, you're too tense in your chest. And if we don't correct and really work to lengthen and open up that fascia, um, then we're never going to really fix that back pain. So when we start to understand that there's equal and opposite reactions that happen in the body, we can start to essentially fix the body more easily um, and understand it. And I love to do that through movement. You also like to add rotational movements into workouts. So can you please talk about what you mean by that and why it's so important? And would you not recommend that, though, for someone who's pregnant? Okay, yes, I do love rotation. And I love rotation because it has such profound results on our fascia. And one fascinating thing about fascia that I should mention here is that we can we can change the structure of fascia. So like say scar tissue, for example, kind of gets all I explained, like it's like kind of all muddled up and and you know, it doesn't really move. It's not very um, efficient for movement, right? It can really restrict the body. But the fascinating thing is that through movement, we can restructure how that fascia is structured at a cellular level. And this leads us into rotation. So rotation specifically, like full body rotation. So we're moving our hips and our ribs all at one time together can really help to rebalance our body. Um, muscularly, yes, but even more so from this fascial perspective, because, you know, say we're a mom and we tend to hold our kids on this one side and hike our hip out. Well, that can cause, you know, tightness around say the right hip, cause you're jetting that hip out, but it can really cause issues with the left side of our neck. So by doing rotational movement, we can start to become aware of our body, which is really a fir- big first step of oh, wow, I do feel a lot of restriction here and here. So let's work with that. I'm never one to tell any, we don't ever force movements ever because that can backfire. So it's about moving gently, connecting through breath and adding the movement and rotation. So because it it's, because fascia is one, you get a lot of these diagonal oppositions in the body. And opposition is really, really important to really tap into the fascial layer. So we're going deeper than just activating muscles. And yes, the our muscular system is very intertwined with fascia because um, fascia goes in between the muscle spindles and around the muscles, like encapsulates everything in our body. And so when we incorporate the rotation and we we start we alternate sides moving to our left then rotating to our right and back and forth as we start to lengthen and start to realize like okay wow I need to like lift a little bit more 
um, through my hip on my left side because it really feels restricted and oh the opposite so it's a lot about oppositions um, and you know in the beginning when anyone starts to incorporate any of this movement and rotation it can feel very awkward because there's like a little bit of a learning curve for a lot of people unless you're super coordinated which you know <laughs> just like me I, I did dance back in high school and was not the most coordinated dancer and then somehow I fall into all this fascial teaching but it, you know I, I, I can do a lot of that so it's about you know being patient with your body and really starting to just you know be aware you can start to do some nice slow rotation again it's not about doing a lot of rotation um, a little bit of what we talk about and are going to talk about today can really go a long way um, and can you do rotation during pregnancy absolutely so my biggest thing that you know it, this involves pregnancy and this really involves not when you're pregnant as well is I do not teach anymore. Um, this was years and years ago. I had this epiphany with why are we sitting the hips down? Because you do a lot of this in Pilates where say you sit your hips down on a box or just like in a like kind of a crisscross applesauce position and we're just rotating like at the rib cage. Well, that can cause a lot of torque in our lower back. But if you go onto your knees or you stand on with your feet and say, what's a good one? Like, um, almost like um, like a, just a standing like cable pull or something like a wood chop, but not with actually like rounding and doing things like that. Um, when you're moving your hips and your ribs together, then you start to tap into some deeper layers where if your hips are not moving, we can cause torque in the low back and actually be causing back problems, which we don't want to do. Um, so same thing when you're pregnant, you would just want to make sure that any rotational work that you're doing, that the weight is in a way, in a way that, or you just do it without weights, um, just do standing full body rotations, which is what I teach a lot of, is that we're working on lengthening. We're working on that core support. So from the base of the pelvic floor, lower belly, you know, if you're pregnant, you want to think about lightly hugging your baby from underneath your belly and never drawing belly to spine. Um, this may open a whole can of worms, but you know, when we, when we're working on lengthening through the body and tapping into the fascia, um, we don't want to be drawing belly to spine. So when we're rotating, it's all about lengthening and kind of embracing, you know, what your body is is giving you back for feedback. Um, I love rotation, full body rotation anyway, to clarify, during pregnancy. I find it to be so good for my mamas to help to keep their hips open because, right, pregnancy with the postural shifts that happen and those hip flexors can get really tight or just for people who sit a lot or just have tight hip flexors is that the rotation can really get our body into a more optimal alignment position. Okay. So I'm pregnant with twins currently. Ooh, fun. Congratulations. I know. Thank you. And it is, um, you know, I was able to be with my daughter when I was pregnant with her I was able to be, you know, pretty active and, you know, could do a lot more, but I'm like 24 weeks now and things, I'm just so much larger. Like I am just so much larger because there's two babies, you know? Um, so do you have any advice? This is such a self-serving question, but I hope there's other people listening that have multiples. Um, any specific advice for um, moms of multiples? So I think with, I think this goes for anyone, honestly, um, is any moms that are pregnant with twins or just a single baby is to really listen to your body, right? Because you may be trying to compare what you're doing this pregnancy to another pregnancy. Well, even if you only, you know, you weren't having twins and you were just having a single baby, like you might still feel kind of similar, if that makes sense, because everybody's bodies are different and every pregnancy can feel different. So I think it really comes down to embracing what you can do 
And don't be hard on yourself for the things that you want to do, but you can't do right now. Because in reality, like pregnancy is really a short period of time, even though it can feel like it lingers and is lasting forever. Trust me, I've never had twins, but I've had three. (laughs) So, you know, having gone through that, there's periods of time where it can feel more exhausting. And, you know, the one thing that I teach, uh, teach my mamas when they're pregnant is even if you don't have the energy to do much of a workout or much movement, even just taking some of that time to do, you know, pick like one, two or three of the exercises that's, you know, maybe you're just like laying on the ground or just doing something really simple to bring awareness into your body, into your core, connecting with your babies um, and breath work, just to do a little bit of, again, it's like connecting with your core, getting some articulation through your spine, um, almost like more working on the alignment aspect and the connecting with your body and not so much concern about having to get your heart rate up and really getting a good workout because just doing those simple things actually are very effective. And we see that with women that join the membership because they may be like, you know, they're like, Erica, I actually didn't really do many of your workouts at all during my pregnancy because I just didn't feel up to doing the actual workouts, but I did follow all the deep core training. And so that for me, getting those testimonials and that feedback from, you know, these women that really, you know, trusted the process when you just if you can just do that, even during your pregnancy, you are still setting yourself up so that you're staying strong. We're working these fascial layers because I'm a firm believer that pregnancy is the best time to really find your core um, and to start to strengthen your core. And we also, you know, I think it's so empowering to understand that with all the changes that do happen during pregnancy is that you really can have so much control over your body. So yes, your hips are spreading. Yes, your belly is getting bigger. Yes, your boobs are getting bigger and your ribs are getting whiter. But the cool thing is, is when we learn how to connect with our body and really actually allow our body to make these changes, but we're staying fascially connected and strong. So it's not as much muscularly, but that stays with us. So in then the birth phase, you know, help mom to be more prepared but then postpartum it can really help with the recovery because it's like that that fascial memory is there and now yes even though belly stretch hips are wider ribs are wider you have you've done a lot of the prep work while you're pregnant that everything is just connected and it, it seems to come back a little bit easier postpartum versus just starting when you're postpartum so I don't know does that does that answer your question Jen <laughs> Totally. And I would, um, love that's such like just lovely advice. Um, I would also love if you don't mind giving an example of one of those, um, exercises, one of the deep core. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just do, how about I just teach, um, like a breath one. Yeah. Anybody can do, you can do it when you're out walking, when you're just sitting at your desk during the day, which I highly recommend if you, especially if you have a desk job and you're sitting a lot is, um, you know, try to sit up really nice and tall as best you can and find your sits bones. So pregnancy, um, and so this can linger for moms postpartum as well, way beyond babies if it's never recorrected, is try to sit on your sits bones, the bony part of your butt, but don't over arch your back, should never feel back pain. Um, And we wanna bring some awareness to the pelvic floor. So as you take a deep inhale, I want you to visualize your breath going out to the sides of your ribs and into your back. And as you exhale, visualize your pelvic floor as a diamond and lightly draw that diamond together and up through the center, lengthening lightly all the way through the top of your head. And then just visualize like you're like you're trying to hold that, that link through your body. And then we'll do that again. So now that you've got a little more length through your body, we want to inhale out to the sides of your ribs and into your back. And then as you exhale, 
visualize the diamond, the pelvic floor, lightly drawing together. You could even think of, I'm gonna pick up a blueberry in the middle, drawing those four points together and all the way up. And hopefully you start to feel a little bit of activation in the lower abdomen, like a little bit above the pubic bone and just kind of lengthening up tall through the top of your head. And then, you know, you could do five of those, 10 of those, however many feels good for you. And in the beginning, you can fatigue really quick on that and be like, well, that's really hard. Or be like, I don't even know how to breathe to my back. That's okay because you will get there. And this is common all the time. And when I'm teaching someone this new core, core technique, essentially they're like, I don't even know I could breathe into my back. And as soon as you actually do sometime, you'll be like, oh, wow, that feels very different than anything I've done. But by allowing your breath out to the sides of your ribs and into your back, it allows you to be able to connect deeper with your pelvic floor, lower belly, and you're supporting your body Again, muscularly, yes, but also through our fascial system. And when we think of this link that you're doing right now, if you're continuing to just practice this while I'm talking, um, is we're encouraging that fascia to stay in a lengthened position. So this is where just even doing this throughout your day or just thinking about that length of holding your body like that. Um, say you're, you know, you, you're carrying one of your little ones. Instead of jetting that hip out, like I mentioned earlier, Think of this exercise that I'm teaching you right now. Like try to hold your baby a little more center or alternate sides, right? I know how that goes. Sometimes they have a favorite. Um, but doing the best you can at thinking, okay, I'm going to lightly draw through my from my pelvic floor together and up through the center of my body through the top of my head. And there's something very fascinating when that length starts to happen through your day because we're taking pressure off the, low, the lumbar spine, which is where a lot of women have back pain. And in the beginning, you may or may not be able to connect with the lower abdomen, but know that in time and with practice and even just the awareness of lengthening, you're actually going to stimulate the deep layers of your core to work without you even realizing it. And then just slow and steady as time goes, you're going to start to feel more and more and more. That's a really simple one you can do anywhere. And I love it. Yeah, that is very effective. I love it. So I'm curious now that we've got you sharing, if you've got a few um, or, you know, one, any, whatever, any exercises that you just consider like must do's for, for anybody, mama or no mama. And, you know, whether that changes if you're, you know, if you're really into, you know, like what we would consider traditionally challenging physical exercise, or if you know, if there are just things that you say, like, yes, everybody should be doing this. Or if it's more of a, yes, if you're super active, you should be doing these things. And if you're taking it a little easier or just starting your fitness journey, here are some other things that I recommend. Okay. Yeah. So I do. Absolutely. Um, one of my first go-to ones is I call them pelvic tilts and I teach this to every single client I've ever worked with male, even as well as obviously all my female clients, um, athletes, I will teach this too, because it does something very profound to the body. Like it gives you a lot of feedback and it can really help, um, a person, woman or man connect with their deep layers of their core and the pelvic floor, because it does matter for men as well too. So any women listening, you can have your husbands do these too. And it's funny, we actually get women that go through my programs and they're like, oh, my, my husband wants to know if he could do this too. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Have him do it with you. You know, it's so, it's so powerful. So pelvic tilt, basically you want to just, you lay flat on the ground, um, and you know, bend your, bend your knees to your feet or just flat. So it's kind of that like traditional crunch, like setup, but you're not doing a crunch, but that's the position you're in. And we're going to do the breath just like I taught you before. So you're going to breathe in out to your sides 
and into your back. And then as you exhale, you do the same thing with your, with the pelvic floor. Like we're going to lightly connect through the pelvic floor and we're going to allow the pelvis to maybe tilt just a little bit. And the big key piece I always want uh, my students and clients to take away from this is, are you actually using the pelvic floor and those deep layers of the abdomen to doing, to do this exercise? Or did you just clench your glutes to tuck your pelvis? Because a lot of people initially are when they think they're activating their pelvic floor and say, you know, they've been taught to do a Kegel, probably incorrect only because this knowledge just, this is why we're doing this. This is not out there enough. But if you notice when you start to activate your pelvic floor that you clench your butt cheeks, you actually need to stop doing that. Um, and that's why I like the pelvic tilts because it puts you in a very, your body in a position where it doesn't have much weight to move or anything. And you can really hone in on, okay, am I connecting with those deep layers in my core to allow my pelvis to move? Or did I just squeeze my butt cheeks to move my pelvis? Which again, if you do, that's okay. That's very normal. Most people do that initially. So we have to untrain our brain. And that's where a lot of this, um, you know, we could totally go on this tangent of, you know, there's the mind body connection from like a neuroplasticity piece. Actually, we're actually creating new wiring in our brain to tell our body what to do. And so that's where people start these movements and, um, and they do something like a pelvic tilt and maybe they've done those in the past, but they've never really had it broken down for them and been like, Oh, am I actually feeling these deep layers or am I just using my butt to, you know, move? And so the next piece to this in the same position is moving into a hip roll, typically thought of as a bridge position and bridging is fine. I have no problems with it. But the thing that I teach with a hip roll is it's the initial movement is a pelvic tilt. You start with that and then we continue to, to, you know, peel up our spine one vertebrae at a time. But the, the thing is, is that yes, you're using your glutes and hamstrings to do this, but we want to really allow the deeper layers of our core and our abdomen to start to be what's moving our body. Because this is where so many people have back pain because they're just allowing their back or their legs to do all the movement. And we're not really connected with our core. So it's all about slowly allowing the pelvis to tilt through the pelvic tilt. And then we continue connecting up around the rib cage. And I'll, I explain the ribs as like, it's like a wrapping of the ribs. And again, same thing. If you're like, Eric, I have no idea what, how to even wrap my ribs. That's okay. Just put that in your brain, seed it in there. Cause one day you'll be like, okay, I get it now. Um, it, all these things take time because we're retraining the body, how to move and how to connect. Um, because one of the biggest things like from a bridge, you know, a bridge is just up and down. A lot of people tend to pull in their back and not really feel their abdominals and deep core doing the work. But when you do a hip roll correctly, you'll feel the pelvic floor, you'll feel the lower abdomen and the deep layers of the core doing the work. And it feels really, really good on your back. Um, and like pregnancy, for instance, can create a lot of, well, and just poor posture and sitting in general can create a really stiff low back. So by getting into these deeper layers of our core, we actually can start to open up that stiffness, right? But we can't be moving with our back. Our, our lower back is really for stability. Um, it shouldn't be your powerhouse. <laughs> so that's just something to clarify. And if you feel like your glutes are really weak, um, that also can lead to back pain. So it's really important and the hip rolls can be a good glute exercise, glute hamstring exercise. Um, but I look, like to look at it first and foremost for the core and then the legs. But for leg exercises, I would do squats. Um, and, but with squats um, as a very powerful exercise for anybody. And even those of you that are like love high intensity and really hard exercises, when you actually take a step back and really focus on these deeper layers, it makes 
all that high intensity workouts that you do that much more effective. And I actually have one of my coaches um, that's learned from me and she teaches in a CrossFit gym and she's running these like core rehab programs, you know, in the gym. And she's got a lot of the men in there and, you know, these women that really are super strong, but it's, again, it's like taking the step back and working fundamentals that have actually, you know, you've never been taught. It's really just purely because there's lack of knowledge out there. And so, you know, squats are a really, really good one for anybody because it can give you a lot of feedback on what's going on with your body. You know, do you, do you pull on one leg versus the other? So really try to keep your legs symmetrical. Um, are you feeling your pelvic floor and core working or is it dumping into your low back, right? So there's so much feedback you can get um, and awareness from doing a squat and then walking. And, you know, I love walking even for, even for the professional athletes I work with. I'm like, are you walking much? Because it's really good for our hips to keep them balanced. Because if someone runs a lot, um, you can get really tight and restricted in the hips. And so balancing that out by just going on some nice, long, brisk walks can actually really help to keep our hips balanced. And I know women, um, you know, have tend to have a little bit more issues with their pelvis staying, staying in one spot. Some people get like that, like you'll hear it as like piriformis syndrome or like pinching at the sacrum and all of that. But if we actually work on one, let's find our deep layers of our core, because yes, it's important to be strong through our hips and our legs. But if we're missing the piece of this link of connecting things internally, because we can address like the pelvic floor, but we also need to address, and I, I talk, this is like fascia through our entire core because like if you visualize in our pelvis, we have our hips, which are a ball and socket joint. So they can do a lot of movement. And if on the inside of the hips, we're not balanced out with being as strong as on the outer, then that's where we can start to get, you know, postural um, differences. And someone's SI joint pain could strictly just be because we need to balance out the deep core strength, which a lot of times really helps a lot of people when you just bring awareness to that. So it's, those are some of my, I would say, key go-tos. And actually to add one more on that, um, working the mid-back, because I cannot tell you how many women in particular come to me and they, like the first time we do mid-back, they're like, oh my gosh, Erica, I didn't even know I had those muscles <laughs> because we tend to get so tight in our upper, upper back and our neck and low back that everything in the middle um, can get really weak. So doing rowing exercises, you know, lat pull exercises, um, back extensions, but you have to do back extensions with the first idea being connecting from your core to lengthen and then extend. If people just go into extension without connecting with their deep layers, um, they probably dump into their low back and that can actually exacerbate it. So, you know, less can be more when it comes to movement, especially when you're trying to find all of these deep layers and really you're really retraining your body to learn something completely new. There's so much I want to ask you. So <laughs> let's go with just um, the components of a squat. How, how would you describe doing the perfect squat? How low do you go? Like I, I, this is something I would love to hear. Okay. So <laughs> to, to reframe that from a perfect squat, this is going to look different for, for different people. Right. Um, yeah. So this is how I coach it is I always want you to work through a range of motion where you can connect as best as possible. And so for someone who maybe has a hard time connecting with their glutes and dumps into their low back, our range of motion is going to be really small in the beginning. And people don't always like that when I take their weight away and I, and I decrease the range of motion, but I say, you have to trust this process because I will have you back in no time or as quick as possible, right? Within reason of doing 
the higher intensity weighted squats with the deeper range. But if we don't ever fix this, then you're going to lead to injury is what's going to happen. So that's my, that's my pain point to get people to be like, you have to listen to your body. Um, and so, you know, when it comes to doing a squat, say if we're doing a parallel leg squat, um, I do different positionings. Like I'll do a medial rotated end squat and I'll do wide squats, but from a feeling what's going on with the pelvis, if we start parallel and sometimes even just like walk in place and then stop and put your feet down and notice where your feet land, what's your knees doing, and then how does it feel in your pelvis? And I want you to first off, like, okay, if you can, let's try to get our feet fairly parallel um, as long as it doesn't do something super wonky with our knees. And then we want to lift up just like I, the exercise I taught you all earlier where we're lifting up lightly from the pelvic floor and lengthening. One key piece that can really help you to not drop into your back and go too low is if you're thinking about lengthening up through your entire torso as you lower down, and then you go to lower down, and obviously you want your hips to go back a little bit, you're going to hinge forward a little bit, but notice how low you can go keeping your feet pushing energy into the ground. That means your big toes. Don't let your toes lift. Feeling a little bit of pelvic floor, lower belly connection, and then feeling the glutes and hamstrings and not going into the low back. As soon as you've dropped into your low back, you either, one, need to reconnect with your core. And if you can do that, great. Um, or you've gone too low. And so then I work with my clients and I'll be like, okay, let's, let's kind of push the feet into the ground and feel like we're almost wanting to, like, put, if you put your hands on the outside of your hips and you almost want to push, like, the, the ball and socket joints into your hands, you create this, like, tensegrity and tension through the pelvis. Um, it'll give you a lot of feedback of what's going on with your, with your pelvis, with your hips and all of that. And just notice the chain, you know, down your body through the feet. If one knee is really wanting to go wonky or wanting to roll in, um, one key piece, just because a lot of women deal with this is where um, a knee will knock in. So say your left knee rotates in, that indicates that we need to work more on the, the, the lower, like the outer um, like wrapping of the glutes. So we'll call this the butt smile as I've been calling it because everybody knows exactly what I'm talking about. So you want to do this like wrapping around the, say that left side of the glute and sometimes even adding like a piece of KT tape that spirals up. I love spiraling. So good for, again, we're tapping into these fascial lines can really help you to connect there. Um, and then doing pulses. I'm like, when we're trying to train the body to connect better um, is working through a range of motion where you really feel good, strong connection. And they're not like super springy, bouncy pulses. They're like a controlled, a controlled pulse where you're like, okay, I'm feeling this. I'm feeling my core. Um, and then of course, you know, you don't do that for the whole workout or things like that, but that's a really good like warm up. And then if you're feeling good and strong, then you could add the weight to it, um, and go from there. But I always, I find when you take a step back to really connect the body before you say do a power movement, um, it, it really can can just lead to so much more success. And because then you're connecting with the right parts of the body, which is really the whole body, right? We've kind of in the fitness industry got, and I mean, just cause I have my whole fitness background and all that. It's like, we learn like individual pieces of the body when that's really not the case, everything should work together to some degree. So just bringing that awareness into your body when you're doing a squat and paying attention, like what are you feeling through your legs? Like, are you, do you notice you cheat with one side versus the other? And again, if, if you notice those things, just bring awareness back to your center to do the best you can to square things up, um, you know, and, and decreasing your weight. People don't like to hear that, but if we take the weight away for a little bit and work on these foundational movements, and then once you start to connect more through the body, then you put the weight back in and you're like, oh my gosh, this is like a whole different exercise for you. 
So I know you just mentioned tape, but are there any other tools? Like, do you like foam rollers, massage therapy? Do you recommend all that other kind of stuff? Yeah, I do love, I love KT taping in the sense that um, I tend to follow like fascial lines, spiraling to, for different reasons, like to remind the body to kind of, it's almost like a subconscious thing that your body's like, oh, this leg needs to kind of go in this direction. So we're going to lightly encourage it with this tape. And I like it because it's non-invasive. It's not painful or any of that. Um, I do like foam rolling. I like uh, rolling with balls. Um, sometimes where it's a little gentler, kind of depends on what areas of the body we're working on. Um, the thing that I have found with fascia in particularly, because that's where it gets, you know, yeah, our muscles can be tight, but I actually find when we address the fascia, um, side of things more than we can, uh, we can lengthen things out better, more effectively would be the right, right term. So I don't believe that thing when you're doing self myofascial release that it should be super painful. Um, I know people disagree with me out there and they think like pain is good. Um, but in the fascial world, everything I've ever read from research is like, you need to go super, super slow and, and, you know, and it shouldn't be super painful in order to allow that tissue to open up and lengthen a little bit. So that's where sometimes I, I move into things that like either a softer foam roller, if it's too painful or doing some ball rolling or changing your body's position, giving yourself a little assistance. So it's not making you tear up because <laughs> if it's making you tear up, it's probably a little bit too aggressive. Um, that's where I really like, you know, more of your like active, you know, and the, the functional kind of stretching and the pulsing stuff, because that can actually be really good for getting, getting movement in areas where you might feel a little bit stuck. Um, and I think, you know, massage can be really good. I think the biggest thing is, you know, if you're going to work with a massage therapist, I'm a big fan of you got to like to do your body justice. They really need to be getting into your hips. Um, and some, some massage therapists are just not comfortable with that. Um, but if we don't get in, if you're going to go ahead and do massage work and we're not getting into the pelvis and the hip, the hips, the hip flexors, um, and all of that, then, you know, that massage session may not be as effective as it can be. Um, just because, and, and the other aspect of that is also up in like the upper chest into our pecs and the front of our shoulders. Um, because those are some of the spots that, you know, massage therapists need to work on the back a lot. But like I said earlier, like you can work on your back all day long, but it probably won't fix your back pain. It might make it feel better for a short period of time. But if that pain just comes right back, that's a really good indication that, okay, that was just a temporary release that made my tissue feel better, but there's still something going on in my body that's not balanced. Yeah, so those are my main tools. I mean, I personally, with my one-on-one -on -one clients, I teach a lot on my Pilates equipment. Um, so obviously, Pilates instructors out there, you're doing a lot with fascia, whether you realize it or not. Um, and, you know, at home, I just, this is, I mean, this is what I teach through my online programs, so. You know, you have, mentioned a few times, um, both talking about the mind-body connection and also giving us a lot of really great visualizations. And I know that that could probably be a whole other episode in and of itself, but I wondered if you, if you could talk just a little bit about why that's important, you know, why it's important to really visualize your breath, you know, going into, into your back and, you know, maybe just a little bit about how you're talking about the neuroplasticity and how we're really creating like kind of different wiring. Yeah, I love this conversation, and you are right. We could totally talk about this for a whole other, oh, yeah. a whole other episode. Um, so the visualization, and this is something I've been doing more and more of um, these last handful of years, and it's beyond powerful. Like there's there's research out there to back this up that by visualizing what you're doing, 
you can actually get your body to become stronger quicker. And like, I think there's some study out there about, you know, like they've studied with someone actually going and doing bicep curls and other people just like visualizing themselves doing bicep curls. And they actually find like the visualizing can be more powerful than actually going and lifting the weights. So this is where I really bring awareness to what movement is. And this is what's not, not been taught. And this is where I guess I've been really, you know, push into when I talk through movements, I talk a lot <laughs> and I, I cue a lot of cues. I tell, I try to tell exactly what the breath is doing, what you should be feeling, giving good visualizations, because even if you don't feel like anything that I say in the beginning, if you're visualizing it, that's already, you are leaps and bounds ahead of someone who's not. Because if you go, it does two things. It does one, it's starting to create that wiring in your brain. Cause you're in your head, you are picturing what should be happening, even if you don't feel it yet. So it can help to speed up so you do feel it sooner. It's also setting you up for more success because you are in a much more positive mindset anyway. For someone who's not visualizing it, it's just going through the motions, it's kind of like they're hoping it's going to work for them. So it does a totally twofold visualizing and it's it's beyond powerful. So if anyone listening hasn't really taken a step back to try and do it, and this is where honestly, not having distractions when you're working out, like if you want music, that's fine. Or you're doing, you know, these specific exercises, um, because it can just be so much more powerful when you take that little bit of time to just really investing in your body. Because once you learn these pieces, they don't just disappear. It's like knowledge that'll be there. And yet, is it something you have to keep working on? Absolutely. But the fascinating thing is, is that it keeps building on each other. So the more you start to do it, the easier it comes. And then all of a sudden you start finding deeper and deeper layers in your body that you didn't even know existed because you've never felt them before. And that's the struggle I think sometimes is, I have to say a lot of times, I'm like, you just have to trust the process when I get someone who's really antsy and wants results overnight, which some can happen. Usually it's the back pain that goes away first. Um, but when you trust the process and the visualization, because key reminder here is at a cellular level, it actually takes time to create new cells of fascia. It, the cool thing is, is that we can do that. Um, but you know, I, I look at my, my career path and I'm like, wow, my body, I know my body at such a deeper level on how I can connect and engage my core than even five years ago. Right. So wherever you're starting today, you know, even know that you have the capability to change anything that you want. Right. So it's, and the more you can visualize what it is you do want, it's, it's a little bit of that, you know, positive mindset, but it's just also, it's putting it in your subconscious even so that the more and more you practice it, the more you'll start walking around with better posture, you'll start to connect with your core. And someday you won't have to think about it as much like you do today. I'd like to talk to you about the gut brain connection. Um, can you go into that a little bit? Because you talk about um, it improves overall health, specifically the brain function, and that so many women are depleted and malnourished. Can you talk about what you mean by that? Yeah. So our, you know, people talk about the brain gut connection, and then you also have the gut brain connection. And there's there's arguments out there to which one's more powerful, which one's sending more information, which direction. Um, but I think you know we can all agree to say that they both communicate with each other, um, no matter which is first. Um, but there seems to be more and more science kind of pointing at well, our gut really kind of is first and foremost in affecting of our brain. So if we're eating crappy food or we're eating things that our body's reacting to causing inflammation and our gut is, you know, it's causing 
it, it does a twofold, right? So it's creating inflammation. And that inflammation doesn't just exist in your gut. It's going to exist throughout your body and into your brain. And if we have inflammation in our brain, our brain is not functioning optimally, which, you know, in turn can make all of this that we're talking about today that much more challenging to do because if you're dealing with the brain fog and um, just anything like that, having a hard time focusing, um, staying on task or, you know, whatever it might be, it, it may be that your brain needs a little bit more nourishment, um, but more than likely what's going on with your gut. Um, and I see this a lot of time with moms in particular because birth, you know, can really, it's birth is a traumatic event. Um, and I know that sounds a little harsh, but it is true because the body is going through so much. It's a very incredible, you know, thing to give birth to a child, um, whether, you know, whether you have a vaginal birth or a C-section, right? If you think of what goes on with the body, it's all, it's a shock to the body. And I feel like that because of that shock to the body, we start to see more and more moms with sensitivities to foods and different things. And so because of that stressor, it's like it can it can open up kind of a whole can of worms. But I firmly believe that we have control of our body, so we can work backwards with that um, to then you know in turn move our whole body forward. But if we're dealing with inflammation in our gut, we may be dealing with you know leaky gut, which can also be causing some autoimmune things. And if there's inflammation going on in the gut, it's also happening in the brain, um, and it can also make it harder you know too for women to connect with their core if we're constantly dealing with this with this bloating and inflammation. So when we when we take some time to focus on the foods that we're eating, how are they reacting to our body? I'm a big fan of again just like I educate with movement, I like to educate with with food and nourishing the body because what one person eats may or may not be good for the person next to her um, because you may react to it. And just because you have sensitivities now, I don't believe that you have to have them forever. Um, if we have a, a lot of sensitivities and bloating and things going on, those are signs that there's a deeper layer going on. And that can also be explaining why you're dealing with some of the brain fog and all of that. Such good info. If... <laughs> Okay, so say you're someone listening and you're like, okay, I got this specific issue, no matter where it is in the body, hips, back, upper body, wherever, uh, and you're like, okay, I'm, you know, determined here that I want to get to the root cause. What is that process like, um, kind of figuring out that puzzle, if you will? Yeah, so that's a, that's kind of a really open-ended question. Um, really is, but- <laughs> I'm like, just go ahead and unlock all the mysteries of yeah. the body and the kinetic chain and, you know, just a quick answer. Cool. Okay, I will do my best here. Okay, so I'm just going to kind of go over what where I start women that I don't personally work with, but maybe find me online and I have to keep it a little bit more of a system, right? So initially it is getting her to connect with the body. I talk about visualization. Um, I talk about, you know, really checking in with, you know, um, are you act over activating your muscles? So that's like, those are two big key starters from a movement perspective. And then the piece on say the gut health is just starting to make sure that the foods you're eating are really nourishing your body. Um, and I think I didn't mention this the other, but the big reason I we're seeing so many people that are actually malnourished, even though they might be eating healthy, it's because of the inflammation in the gut, um, and the leaky gut. So we're not actually absorbing the good healthy food we're eating, which is, which is a a big issue, right? So that is, that's a big key thing is with the nutrition we're eating is paying attention. Like you really have to journal this stuff. Like 
what foods might be causing you to feel bloating or maybe you know, start to notice you're, you're just keeping track of like your energy levels throughout your days. And, and keep in mind that, you know, you might react to a food a couple days after you've eaten it. So this is where it's really important to write it down because it's a lot of times we think, oh, we'll react the same day of a food we've eaten. And that may not be the case. Um, and doing things to help to heal your gut, you know, right off, right off the bat, making sure you're well hydrated, um, and just, you know, just nourishing your body. Those are, those are really the best places to start without really going off on a big tangent. <laughs> cool. So you've given us so much great information and I know that you have the opportunity to, to work with a lot of people online and in various ways. And, um, there are, you know, we've got your podcast and all of that so that people can get more of you. So could you just let our listeners know how they can connect with you online and with your podcast? Yeah. So everything that I teach, it's on my website at ericazeal.com. And my, you know, main program for mamas or expecting mamas or even thinking about, you know, getting pregnant in the future is my prenatal plus core rehab membership. So we've put it all in one place. So no matter where you're at in your journey um, and keep in mind, you know, postpartum and beyond. So even if you're, you've got a 10 year old and you're like, can I, can I work on my core? Like, absolutely. It's never too late. Um, and then I also teach a pre postnatal instructor training course because I really want to get this information in, you know, in the gyms and (laughs) being taught to, to pregnant mamas because it's, it's so powerful. Um, and then I also have my core connections podcast where we talk about, yes, a lot of movement, but we also talk a lot about just like health and wellness in general. And I pick topics that, uh, you know, good takeaways so that even if you just listen to one here and there, you've got some little takeaways that you can apply to your life. And we just have one more question for you. And we ask this of everyone that appears on the show. What was the last song you listened to before you did this podcast interview? Oh my goodness. I didn't have any music on today. (laughs) What's the last song you remember? (laughs) Um, I feel like what comes to mind is, is a Imagine Dragons song because my kids are really big into Imagine Dragons. That counts. And my daughter was learning, I know she was learning how to play the chords to Demons. So I'm going to go with that one. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I love that. That's a great answer. That's pretty badass of your, of your daughter. Yes. Yes. Yeah. She loves her piano. It's, it's great. It's awesome. (laughs) Thank you so much for appearing on our show. Thank you, ladies. This was so much fun. Love this show? Tell us why in a five-star review on iTunes, and we'll read it on the air. Also, make sure you are a subscriber. If you want to reach out to say hi or have a question about a recent episode, yay, well, feel free to email us at podcast at fitboundgirls.com. And if this podcast jives perfectly with your brand, consider sponsoring the show. Get more info by emailing advertising at fitbottomgirls.com. Find all kinds of Fit Bottom goodness online and on social media at Fit Bottom Girls, Fit Bottom Mamas, Fit Bottom Eats, and Fit Bottom Zen. And if books and movies are your thing, check out the other podcast I co-host called Book vs. Movie, which you can find anywhere where you search for podcasts. Thanks for listening.